Actually, before the visa-free announcement, many Malaysians already had plans to go to China because of China's rich history, culture, stunning landscape, and also the great food. Now, without the need to apply for visa, it can save a lot of time and money. So we expect many more people that will travel to China. Travel agencies are going to be very busy and we expect airlines to increase the number of flights to and from China. Sometimes you need to take a little bit, you know, risk, but in exchange for, to a larger probability, most are good returns. So you should let people in and trust your social governance, trust your security authority can do their job well and then to welcome more of the friends and tourists to come in into your country because it's totally worth it. I think it's going to be a, a tremendous boon to the economy and to getting conversations started. We need to have more people-to-people -people contact because uh, this is a way to cut through all the propaganda, all the misinformation, and let people see for themselves uh, the miracle that China is. I think it's going to make a difference, but I think China has to do more than just uh, change the visa policy for the countries who are affected. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to The Chat Lounge. I'm Tuyun. Joining our discussion on China's new visa-free entry policy are Harvey Zodin, Senior Fellow from the Center for China and Globalization, Dr. Chu Chang, Research Fellow of Global Issues, Beijing Foreign Studies University, and Dr. Li Peimei, Assistant Professor of Political Science from the International Islamic University, Malaysia. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks. Good to be here. Hi. Right. Starting Friday, citizens of uh, Malaysia and five EU countries, namely France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Spain will no longer need a visa to enter China for visits of no more than 15 days. It means, um, literally, Dr. Li may fly to Beijing and join me in the studio for the show and then take a nice two-week vacation in China without having to go through any trouble of preparing all kinds of documents for visa application. That just sounds so exciting. Well, Pei how's the news received in Malaysia? Malaysia is the only Asian country on the list. Well, I can really sense your excitement. Right. Yeah, I'm also very excited when we receive the news in Malaysia. I mean, uh, generally, uh, the news uh, are very well received. And mainly people, um, businesses, they were simply overjoyed. So in fact, uh, Malaysia's Deputy Agriculture and Food Security Minister, Datuk Chan Fong Kim, he said that, uh, with this visa-free policy, he expects that it's going to bring in more business opportunities. Mm. So, actually, before the visa-free announcement, many Malaysians already had plans to go to China mm. because of China's rich history, culture, stunning landscape, and also the great food. So, the more popular cities that Malaysians like to visit will be like Shanghai, Beijing, and Guangzhou. But now, without the need to apply for visa, it can save a lot of time and money. So following the announcement, uh, we expect many more um, people mm -hmm. that will travel to China. So there will be a booming demand for travel, 
uh, and tra- travel agencies are going to be very busy mm. and we expect um, airlines to increase the number of flights to and from China. Indeed. Actually, Manila followed Beijing's move and announced it would re- reciprocate by allowing Chinese nationals to stay for up to a month without a visa. That's really generous. Actually, my one of my colleagues is preparing for a trip to Malaysia now. Peimei, do you have any idea how's this new visa-free policy different from the existing uh, visa-free transit policy? You know, which covers actually 50 countries, including the five EU countries. Yeah, as what uh, Twin said, uh, it's a reciprocal move mm. by Malaysia, right, to allow uh, visa-free travel for Chinese nationals up to 30 days. Right. So, in fact, Twin can also come to visit indeed <laughs> at your convenience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, about the new visa-free policy and the existing. Uh, visa-free transit policy, I think there is indeed a difference between these two. Uh, Visa-free transit basically means that visitors landing in China, Mm. they can um, stay in designated transit areas or specific cities within a specific period of time. So meaning that the visitors, they can only permit to visit some other cities Mm -hmm. uh, that are covered by the visa-free transit policies. However, the duration of stay and eligible cities vary depending on nationality. Yeah, so for example, if you are German, you can opt for 144 hours visa-free transit, and you can only stay in certain cities during that period. Mm. For example, uh, Beijing and Shanghai. But on the contrary, um, the current visa-free policy that applies to that six countries means that uh, visitors for example, like Malaysians, we can just allow to explore any part of China without any visa. Mm. Yeah. So this policy, this new policy, uh, grants travelers actually more freedom to explore different cities in China Indeed. for up to 15 days. Yeah. yeah. And uh, actually, Dr. G is able to do that too. Uh, Dr. G, have you been to Malaysia? Yes, of course. Oh, great. Been there many times. Actually, their right. former. Minister of Finance used to be my student and my lecturer. So oh, right. <laughs> we have a very close relation with Malaysia, actually. Mm. And uh, now it's more convenient to do it, right? Yes, yeah, it's going to be very, very convenient. Mm. Well, actually, well, um, from Malaysia, well, in the, even in the past, I think it's very easy to travel to Malaysia. While we used to have the e-visa, uh, apply them online. Uh, even though there's a little bit of trouble, but basically, uh, once you meet the criteria and you're clear on the pages, and you think it's your visa very conveniently, it's already be very handier than many other countries. But right now, I think um, they have even just give up this, uh, you know, uh, this uh, kind of a, you know, just a form of permit to allow you into the Malaysia and just let you directly go into the country. I think it's wiser. And I think, um, you know, it's good for the two people just to exchange and pay visit to each other. Mm. Then what do you think about the, the the timing of this new policy? Why now? Why not earlier? Well, I think right now, uh, ASEAN nations, especially uh, with, the, you know, China and also in the most of the Northeastern Asian region, I think we are setting an example for international orders and international cooperation while the rest of the world are probably in the chaos, in the uh, separation of the political ideas, but I think in the Eastern Asian region, and everybody understand right now 
more importantly, that we need to cooperate with each other. We need to meet people face by face. You see, uh, actually, when China just opened up after the pandemic, and immediately the international travel has recovered. And, uh, well, actually, Malaysia is not the only country and not the first country. Actually, China restored the visa-free policies for, uh, you know, Singapore. And then we opened up the visa uh, later for uh, Malaysia. And also Thailand opened up the visa requirement for China as well. So I think Asian countries, they are easier to put aside their differences and they understand, okay, we need more tourists. We need more of the business people to visit each other. We need more of the people just to, to talk to each other, scholars to have this forums, have this, all these discussions. It's better for the world economy for, to recover. And also it's better to you know, maintain the regional peace and stability. So I think Asian people set up uh, a good example and the rest of the world should watch and learn. Then to, to Harvey, you've just um, gone through some troubles flying to China for some uh, business. But um, this time, this uh, visa-free policy doesn't cover your, your country. But um, maybe we can wait for some time that the authorities may expand this to include America. But um, some analysts say China did it because the economic recovery has not been very satisfactory. And... Uh, to some extent, uh, Beijing was forced to introduce um, this policy. What's your interpretation, Harvey? Um, my interpretation is that uh, this policy uh, is a test. So you have the five European nations, you have Malaysia, and so uh, it's in effect for a year, starting December 1st. And because of that, I think the Chinese government is waiting to see how it, how it goes. I think it's going to be a, a tremendous boon to the economy and to getting conversation started because there's no substitute for people-to-people -people contact. Uh, as we've discussed before, mm -hmm. Zhou Enlai had this policy. He called it folk diplomacy, and it was a parallel track to the formal diplomacy of ambassadors and, and so on. So uh, I think what China has just done is a corollary of that. We need to have, as was just said, more people-to-people -people contact because uh, this is a way to cut through all the propaganda, all the misinformation, and let people see for themselves uh, the miracle that China is. So I think it's a great policy. I think it's a test regarding the United States. I don't know what's going to happen. I imagine that... Uh, China would probably want to have uh, reciprocity with U.S., and I'm not sure that that's going to happen. But uh, who knows? Maybe in a year, relations could be much better. Mm. Of course, uh, in one year, uh, we will know who the American president uh, will be, or we should know. And uh, if it's Donald Trump, which he is leading in the polls now, all bets are off. But we have to wait and see. But I think... The, the short of it is that it's a great policy. It will encourage more people to come to China for the nations that are covered. And uh, I hope next year that it will be extended to more countries. Uh, it's really a win-win. Mm, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, like um, Dr. Chi and Pei Mei just said, uh, we all understand why it's granted to Malaysia. But why those five uh, EU countries, there are you know, 27 EU members, why 
only five of them got to get this uh, visa-free policy. Let's um, maybe um, explain one by one. France, uh, Harvey? I think all of these countries actually are important uh, countries. France, uh, in particular, has been very supportive of China. And so it's in there. And also, uh, there's a lot of two-way travel uh, between France, or there was, between France and China. And uh, China uh, is, I think, choosing these five countries, but France especially, because it's a test. And these are all important uh, EU countries, and Malaysia is an important country. So I believe that this is a test and that uh, I hope next year the policy can be extended to uh, the whole EU because there has been some pushback uh, by the EU saying this should be open to all Schengen countries. Mm. Um, but I think you have to start somewhere, and this is a, a major policy change, and it's good to do a test run as opposed to opening the floodgates. Then, uh, Dr. Chi, why, why not other countries like um, Britain? You know, if you give Britain, you don't have this problem of Schengen countries, right? It's just... Um, yeah, but the UK is not a Schengen country, first yeah. of all. You yeah. have to understand that. <laughs> well, I think one of the most important standards for uh, the visa issues, or what we call the counselor issues, um, are what we call reciprocal. You need to be equal to each other, right? Mm. So it's like China and Malaysia, and uh, and we say, okay, visa free to Malaysia, salamat datang. And then Malaysia say, okay, terima kasih, and we're also doing that to China. Well, so it's reciprocal. Everybody are equal to each other. So this is what we call good relation. And for China to EU, it's a little bit complicated. For example, China and France have very good relations, even though we have differences. But also we can put aside their differences and agree on many things. For example, we have the contract on Airbus. When we have agreed with each other on many international issues, we played our role. So we give France a visa-free treatment. Uh, and also we understand because France does not have 100% of their independence say on their own visa issues because they belong to the Schengen Treaty. Yeah. So they're not allowed to open you know, a visa-free policy to China alone because you know, Chinese... Uh, you know, tourists that can go into France and then through this uh, visa-free policies to travel all around Europe. So basically, we need more of the agreement. That's the reason why we cannot expect the visa-free from the uh, France side, you know, single-handedly. But we can show our gesture to welcome them into us. And a similar reason happened with uh, Netherlands and other countries as well, Spain as well. So it's based on the respect and the trust. And uh, we believe in the future. And they will give us more of the treatment like this within their own hand as much as they can do. In France, I think they corresponded with China's, you know, good gesture immediately by granting, you know, uh, the overseas Chinese students in France and give them five years visa after their graduation. So I think this is already a very good gesture. So I think all this kind of uh, arrangement, well, based on goodwill, mutual trust, equality, egalite, as we said. Mm. So if we can achieve s such kind of, you know, relation with other countries, let's say UK, uh, let's say, uh, you know, a Nordic country, I think we will do that as well. 
Right, but um, you know that there are only five EU countries, and also it's not like we said; it's not a unreciprocated move with those five EU countries. Some people would say or ask whether China seems too anxious. Well, this is already, I think, I just made it very clear.、Um, it should be reciprocal, but it's because this visa issue is not only one country's issue. It's a, a issue under the Schengen Treaty framework. So even though France want to give us reciprocal treatment, but they cannot do it because they're part of the Schengen Treaty and EU member. That's the reason why they cannot do it, and we China reasonably are not expecting. Their reciprocal treatment from them as well because it's reasonable.、Right. They have a different, you know, a framework to have to be in line with. And secondly, we need to have a high level of mutual trust and respect. So we will see each other, even though you're not giving me back the same treatment, but I still believe you have the same level of the goodwill. Like France, they have immediately. You know, corresponded us with their student visa policy, right?、That's、this、true. is fully at their own authority. So this is the maximum they can do. So they showed this to us. And also, this is a listen to me first, carefully, please.、Right. And this is a matter they need to be negotiated bilateral, bilaterally and respectively. You see, so China embassy and France embassy or the Ministry of Chinese Foreign Affairs and a French counterparts. They talked to each other, and they reached certain agreement, similar with China and the Netherlands, China and Spain. So they talked to each other one to one, respectively. So they agreed on something, and then they issued this policy. It's not that we are eager to invite France in, and we are reluctant to refuse other country to come in. It's because we have already we have agreed with each other on certain. Other things more than this visa issue. That's the reason why we showed our sincerity through the visa arrangement. No, but with, I mean, I mean, with UK or、right. other country, we did not have this arrangement or、uh, agreement yet. But I believe once we reach that kind of height, we will open up our visa-free、uh, visa policy to them as well. Yeah. Then what about other countries? What what made these five countries stand out? You know, we also have close relations with、um, Greece. You're saying that we don't have such similar arrangement with those countries, right? Yes, because Greece or Greek government, they didn't pull it off and talk to China yet. They didn't say, "Hey, Chinese、uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, we really need to, you know, let our people to visit China, you know, to enjoy the visa-free policy because we have many students or tourists or businessmen." They have some deal in China. No, they didn't say that. But、mm-hmm. other countries, they said that to us. So you're saying that those countries are more friendly towards China at this moment? No, no, I'm not using the word friendly, but they mentioned about this. All right. And also, they agreed to, you know, correspond with China's move later, like what France did. That's the reason why we made this agreement and we open up first because we believe they're going to do. Number one, we believe they have you know the reasonable requirement first,、mm. and they set it out. And secondly, they agreed to make corresponding you know move as well, and they did. 
So based on that two point, that's the reason why we open up first to these five countries. Right. And we are not refusing to provide the same treat agreement or treatment to other countries. Mm. So, uh, so far, only those five EU countries expressed a similar intention or, or willingness. Yes, towards. well, according to my knowledge, right. yes. Not Serbia, Hungary, uh, to your knowledge? No, not to my knowledge, those other countries. But I believe this five country as a first batch, I think they set up uh, you know, a good example for the rest of the EU nations. I think uh, many other countries, for example, Greece and Hungary, if they want, they probably should can apply for it and ask for the treatment for their own citizens as well. And I believe after certain negotiation and agreement, well, China will provide the similar treatment to them as well. You're listening to The Chat Lounge. When we come back, there are some concerns about the new policy. Stay with us. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to the Chat Lounge, and we're discussing China's new visa-free entry policy. Then, uh, to Pei Mei, to what extent does the new policy may help boost China's uh, to further promote, I, I should say, China's tourism or bilateral tourism, economic and people-to-people -people exchanges? Well, I think uh, it definitely uh, will be helpful with uh, boosting tourism, economy, and people-to-people -people exchanges. Uh, basically, if we look at the predictions by World Bank early this year, they actually mentioned that many of the countries would be on the brink of a recession. So now we are already halfway through 2023. We can see that global growth is very slow. So with this new policy introduced by China, I believe that it could help to boost economic development and avoid a recession in the near future. So basically, people coming to China to spend, it would help with the economic growth. It could help with uh, creating employment, much needed employment, especially for the fresh graduates. And it can also bring in new business opportunities to China. Mm. So, but, and considering how interconnected the economies are. So an increase in consumption within China, we can expect it to keep China's economy healthy, but it will also benefit other economies. So basically, I see that this visa-free arrangement could definitely help with uh, economic recovery, not only for China, but also for other countries as well, mm. as we are much, very much interdependent and interconnected with one another. Right. So, but I also see that to what extent it would really serve its full potential, uh, it depends on uh, a number of factors. Uh, first, for example, if you look at existing rules, laws and circumstances could actually inhibit 
business opportunities. So, for example, there are less, um, I would say, business confidence in China these days because of um, the geopolitical rivalry between the U.S. and China. And therefore, these are things that China needs to look into to make sure that the new policy that they're coming up with will, will, would be able to reach its full potential. Mm, yeah, I think the, the authorities are considering that already. And um, to um, Harvey, to, to, to what extent do you think the new policy may meet the goal of the authorities that introduced this policy? There was this uh, recent uh, Pew Research Center survey um, in 24 countries which reveal the views of China were broadly negative, with some two-thirds of adults expressing unfavorable views. And the percentage of those with an unfavorable opinion of China is um, 77 in the Netherlands, 76 in Germany, 72 in France, 66 in Spain, and 58 in Italy, all over half. How can this policy you know, affect these negative opinions. People usually would not want to visit a country they view negatively, right? Right. But I think uh, that you have to uh, keep in mind that since Donald Trump was in office and then President Biden continued the policy of basically demonizing China, and I think this is uh, unfortunately stuck into uh, publics not only in North America, but also in Europe and in some other countries. I mean, China has been pounded so much. So to me, those numbers are not at all surprising. And But I think it also one silver lining to this cloud is that if you look at the demographics, that young people are much less negative about uh, China. And I think that's a good sign, not only for the near term, but for the middle term and far term as well. So I think the numbers mean that China will also have to do a good job of uh, promoting itself to get people to want to come. I mean, it's a beautiful country and a historic country, and people should come there. But yes, I think that there is a somewhat of a fear of going, the fear not planted by China, but planted by the West and also adopted by the America's uh, lapdog, the EU. So these attitudes are going to have to change. There's no substitute for not visiting China and for not having people-to-people exchanges because we're hearing a lot of propaganda and we're, it's getting reinforced by governments. And I think the best way is to have people see for themselves, to see the Chinese miracle. And I mean, no country is perfect. My country, America is not perfect. China is not perfect. No country in the world is perfect. But people have to go see the tremendous amount of progress that China has made. And I've been to China twice in the last two months. And uh, I, what struck me was that it was uh, cleaner, more efficient than before COVID. But also, there was a tremendous absence of uh, foreign tourists there, which was really surprising. So surprising that it was to the extent that it was like 20 years ago, that when they saw an obvious foreign face in China, they'd want to take a picture. So when I was there in September, a lot of people wanted to take pictures with me. But I 
I think it's going to make a difference, but I think China has to do more than just uh, change the visa policy for the countries who are affected. I think they have to do a very effective marketing uh, campaign, both in traditional media mm. and especially in social media with influencers. But with the strong, uh, you know, the Western uh, mainstream media and the stereotyped um, narratives there, Dr. Ji, how can we change that um, impression of the general public in those five countries? And um, what's your interpretation here? Well, I think travel and visit each other, travel to each other and visit each other is very important because meeting people face to face and savor the local, you know, sceneries, food and culture is the best way to make people slower to judge, but quicker to understand each other. Mm. I think most of the European, you know, uh, people actually what they view China mostly through, uh, you know, the Chinese neighborhood in their own country or through the third party view or footages to know about this country. But they most of them never went to China before. Yeah. So once we give them an opportunity to come to China and they probably will have a very different opinion about this country. You know, recently, well, there is a very interesting phenomenon on the TikTok and also on the Twitter as well is, uh, you know, uh, it's about the cyberpunk city in China. Lots of young people, when they view the footages about, you know, some Chinese cities like Shanghai and Chongqing and Guangzhou and Qingdao, they say that's impossible because this city looks fantastic. It's very sci-fi. Right. It's very, you know, not so real. It's, it looks like, you know, scientific, you know, uh, you know movies. Yeah. So some of the young people, they actually, they did fly to China and go to see the Chongqing, Hongyadong, and other, you know, scenery. They say, oh my God, it's really beautiful. And they say, this is absolutely a very different places from what I was told. So I think this is the true meaning of having people visiting each other and come to see by their own eyes. So China is very different. Once they see it and talk to local people, try local food, I believe you know, most of them will change their opinion. Mm. So you're saying we have to rely more on social media instead of the traditional, you know, media outlets like us. Well, social media is more like teaser, but at least social media, there are many of the, uh, you know, uh, individual bloggers, the bloggers on it. They will show people an original footage and original savor, a flavor of the uh, China's culture and everything. Rather than, you know, some of the uh, official medias, they will show people sometimes crooked footages and, you know, messages. So people wouldn't know about true China. So through the social media, people will, you know, get the teaser about what true China looked like. And then they will probably try to come to visit China and see by their own eyes and taste China with their own mouths. Mm. See, and then they will discover the truth and the beauty of this country. Yeah, hopefully. But there are always two sides to every coin. Some Chinese people here are, are worried that this will lead to an influx of foreign unemployed or even criminals. You know, we all uh, have heard of uh, how bad uh, pickpocketing or violent muggings are in, in some cities in um, some of the, you know, the five European countries. Is this a legitimate concern, Dr. Chu? 
Well, I cannot speak to. I cannot speak for the other five countries. I mean, yes, in Milan, in uh, in, in Rome, and in uh, Paris, yes, the theft issues can be in there, and some other dangers like traffic, you know, accident. Well, they probably are happening not only in Europe but many of the places. Well, what I can say is about China. In China, probably this is the safest uh, you know country in the whole world. You can. You know, walk on the street like two o'clock in the morning, mm. dangerous, danger free. So I don't think criminal issue should be a worry for the foreign visitors to China, and for the Chinese tourists. Once they go to the foreign countries, they probably should do some homework first, and then try to avoid those you know danger zones. You know, just to try to follow the the rules of their tour guide and to stay with their delegation. I think that would be fine. Mm-hmm. That's a good suggestion. But、um, Paymay, do you see any other risks in 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 importing, you know, social instabilities? You know, what's happened in some other countries? Well,、uh, first of all, I wouldn't be surprised if there are such concerns among Chinese nationals regarding、uh, pickpocketing and things like that.、Mm. Especially if they have been to certain European cities, right? Paris is known for its Being a romantic city, but at the same time, it can be dangerous as well.、Mm. So, and and if you visit this、um, some cities in European countries, you can see there were notices posted in the subway or in public places warning tourists to take care of their belongings. So, if the first thing the Chinese national you know can think of、uh, when the government introduced this visa-free policy.、Um, It it is、um, understandable, you know, why do they they have such concern? But in my opinion,、um, China's strong enforcement of the law could actually prevent such incidents from happening. So opening up to、um, visa free to these、um, citizens in these、um, six countries does not necessarily mean that there will be increased,、um, you know,、uh, crimes in in within China. And furthermore, there are certain measures or steps that. Um, immigration offices could actually take in order to ensure that only the legitimate、um, or those with genuine、uh, genuine concerns,、uh, genuine reasons, can enter China.、Mm. For example, you could set rules like the minimum amount of money a traveler should bring, and、mm. immigration officers could also perform a、um, you know safety check before letting foreign visitors enter China. Like asking them to declare whether、um, uh, did they commit a crime in their countries or things like that. So I think all of these、uh, measures could actually prevent all these bad、uh, incidents from happening.、Mm, good suggestions. And Harvey, what、uh, do your past experiences、uh, tell you about this?、Um, well, here in Vienna, Austria,、uh, three weeks ago, I was pickpocketed. Vienna is known as the number one most livable city in the world by many uh, surveys, uh, but no place is、uh, is perfect. So there are some bad people here, as there are anywhere. I think the suggestions that were made in our discussion are are excellent, and I think though that by and large this is going to be a crime-free movement. By China, and I think、uh, one of the reasons, as I said before, 
that it's not all countries, but it's just a handful of countries, is that this is an experiment to see how it goes and to see if additional measures like the income requirement or the cash requirement to enter the country are met. So uh, another thing is that if you think about Singapore, Singapore uh, tells people that if they commit drug offenses, before they come into the country and when they come into the country, given notice, that penalty for many drug offenses is death penalty. Chinese justice uh, can also uh, be and is as rigorous. So I think if there is a problem, the first time this is publicized and somebody goes on trial in China, it's going to deter other people. It's going to deter them from uh, uh, acting bad. But as I say, you know, we're talking about a minuscule problem, probably something like uh, a half a percent or even 0.001%. It's not a big problem, and we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is really a good move, and it can be fine-tuned, and it will be fine-tuned, I'm sure. And uh, Dr. Chi, do you, well, I'll be straightforward. Pepe just said that you can have some regulations on minimum money you carry or other measures. But if there is some spy coming in, they, they obviously can appear to be innocent, of course, and there's no crime records um, for them. Would that open such a, a door to people like a spy? Or am I reading too much into it, <laughs> Dr. Chi? Uh well, actually, I coincidentally work with Central Bank of China working on the anti-money laundry. Um, I can tell you basically <laughs> that's that's uh, that's too much of the movies for watching, you know. No, I'm well, not saying money laundering. To, you know, get- I'm not saying money laundering. I'm saying uh, some people that uh, want to stir some uh, social instability in the country. Well. If you want to stir instability in a country or smuggling money into a country or do some other crimes, you have more ways than just coming into the country by yourself. You can do it online. Do it online is actually more efficient in a way of making cross-border crime currently more than, you know, in the past. For example, um, if you want to stir some social chaos, you probably can just camouflage your IP address and uh, just spread the rumors. It's going to be very, very easy, you see. And also, if you want to carry some money into this country, because if you want to do something bad in the country, you have to carry some of the fund with you so that you can hire people to help you, right, or buy some, you know, resources. So currently, we have, you know, Bitcoin and other ways to transfer money rather than carrying the real paper notes with you. So actually, the border currently for any given country is widely open, right? More than ever. Mm. So actually, what we have is just what we call the formality control on the personnel exchange uh, in most of the circumstances. But um, so if you just try to avoid, you say, okay, I want zero incident of crime happening in my country. So you probably should shut down the border and allowing nobody to come in. And even by doing that, you cannot prevent 100% of the crime happening because mm-hmm. you still have the internet opening in there, right? Uh, unless you shut down all the internet as well. So it's basically impossible. So sometimes you need to take a little bit, you know, risk 
but in exchange for, you know, to a larger probability, most are good returns. So you should let people in and trust your social governance, trust your security authority can do their job well, mm. and then to welcome more of the friends and tourists to come into your country because it's totally worth it. Mm. You're not concerned at all. I'm not concerned at all. Just take a look at uh, you know America. Just take a look at the uh, you know well one of the most uh, you know well managed countries, Singapore. You know they probably have also one of the uh, uh, wide free, wide opening you know control policy on the border, but still they manages their country pretty well. So I believe. A country with good governing capability like China would do our job as well. All right, then. So that's what we say in Chinese: don't give up eating for fear of choking. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Then, Harvey and Paymate, do you have any other concerns regarding the new policy? And Dr. Chi as well. Maybe Harvey. Um, no, I, again, I think it's an experiment, and I believe that uh, China will gather a lot of data uh, in the next year and uh, build uh, upon this. I think this business about spying, for example, I I think this is science fiction mostly. Of course, it's theoretically possible, but why would a spy come for uh, for fifteen days when they could apply uh, for? A visa that is much longer than than that. So I don't think that that's a legitimate concern. And I think uh, because、uh, you'll have a lot of data, you'll be able to make the the government will be able to make、uh, decisions based on this. But I I think that there will be few problems、uh, arising.、Mm-hmm. And I think some of the things we've talked about、um, in. Today、um, are things that might be considered about you know having enough cash to be there and and maybe、uh, I mean there are databases people can check law enforcement authorities can check them I don't think that's going to be a big problem I I think this is a a, a win win with very few downsides. Pimi, sure I think there are more benefits than the、uh, disadvantage、uh, to introduce this policy. But I do expect that、uh, probably the government has to plan for a hassle-free immigration,、um, so that you know when there is、um, a surge、uh, of visitors,、uh, how could they、um, quickly clear the、uh, immigration?、Mm-hmm. I mean, I expect with this policy, more people will be coming to China. So I think that some of the things that they have to think about is how to ensure that.、Um, Uh, how to handle this large influx of visitors, Doctor Chi? Are you hundred percent positive? Yes, I am positive about this、uh, thing、uh, for sure. But also, there are many technical issues I'm worrying about.、Mm. Uh, for example,、um, my many friends, foreign friends, they're coming into China. Like we said, it's fourteen days or、uh, one month, but they don't have the e-wallet like、uh, we have in China. So they make、Indeed. them. Basically crippled in Chinese society, they cannot hire.、Uh, you know, they cannot just wait for the taxi.、Um, they cannot, you know, use most of the Chinese services because we have e-bank account and e-wallet, but they don't have it.、Mm-hmm. But still, we're not, you know, quite yet there to help the foreigners to get the short-term or temporary wallet. And secondly, about the internet access, we have different regulation policies. 
And um, so sometimes my friends, when they come in, into China, they really are excited. They want to share their moments with their friends through the other social medias, but find, find out they can't. They have to go through many troubles to, you know, get back to their own social medias. Well, they say well, it's like emotional damage. You see, uh, they cannot share the moment with friends that will reduce their enthusiasm and passion to a very large extent. Mm. So I think all these issues need to be solved. I don't think language will be a problem anymore because we have the machine translation or, you know, smartphones and et cetera. But those details will actually affect people's, you know, feeling and, uh, you know, they're satisfactory when they visit China. Mm. And going back a little bit to what Harvey mentioned, actually, uh, I think Dr. Chu also mentioned that uh, is granting uh, this visa-free policy to other Schengen countries as well. But how feasible is it to China, Dr. Chi? And do you think Beijing would follow the advice in, you know, in the foreseeable future? Well, I think China is very open-minded. Well, I still remember our spokesperson in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said, China is a country free come and free go. So we're actually wide open. As long as the country, number one, they made the uh, requirement by themselves first, and secondly, they're showing goodwill. I think the thing is always in is is all able to be you know within their discussion. So yes, I'm pretty sure that can be discussable in the future as long as they say it first. Mm. And secondly, I think under the current atmosphere, I think it's very you know reasonable and you know uh, more than realistic to be achieved for the Schengen countries, of course. You're saying uh, those countries have to apply, if you will, for this first. China cannot do it, you know, with some goodwill. We do it uh, voluntarily in, on our side first, right? Well, if you do it, but they don't want it, what's the point of having it, right? <laughs> right. Actually, this this whole policy, it's still a trial, right? And and China will, will put this in place for, for one year only, so far as we know. But how likely and uh, under what conditions do you expect the policy may continue, Dr. Chi? Well, I think most of the thing is, number one, um, the two countries, respectively, the two countries' uh, relations uh, stay very well. We wouldn't have any troubles uh, in a political arena. Mm. We will still have the same level of the mutual trust and respect. That's number one. The second is, I think, the bilateral evaluation of the effect. For example, there are enough of the visitors, for example, coming from France to China. And it really showed very positive effect. For example, we have students that come into each other's country. We have business deals are made. We have more than ever, you know, larger number of the tourists to visit each other that we see, you know, good result. Otherwise, so if there are very few people, for example, they don't want to come to China or uh, we downgraded our, you know, relations or mutual trust. So probably they will stop. Mm. So let's see. So if it goes really well, I'm saying, like you just asked, if it goes really well with the first five five countries, they probably will have another five countries or another ten countries to come. Mm. And Pei Mei, uh, can we learn anything from Malaysia's uh, practice? I understand Malaysia is also very open to the outside world. 
Yeah, of course. I think for Malaysia, one of the reasons why we want to grant this、um, visa-free policy,、uh, not only to China but we also grant it to India. The reason is because we actually depend、uh, a lot for tourism to boost our GDP. So, for example, our in 2022, our gross national products is about 14 percent. And therefore,、um, it's really good that you know other countries that rely a lot on tourism also adopt this policy to have a visa-free policy for、uh, to bring in more、uh, tourists.、Mm-hmm. So I think what we can actually learn、um, is that you know, just like what I think Dr. Xu and Harvey said, we have to be more optimistic with、mm-hmm. this new policy. I mean, of course, we might, you know,、uh, be concerned about, you know, influx of foreign unemployed or, you know, criminals. But generally, I think this policy is going to bring more benefit to the people,、uh, to the businesses. Especially, I think the、uh, World Bank already predicted that this、um, in two thousand two twenty twenty three, we might be heading for recessions. You know,、mm-hmm. so. By having this policy, it's particularly good to boost,、uh, stimulate consumption.、Mm. So it's generally going to be very good for the global economy as well. Not only for China, Malaysia. If more countries are adopting this policy, it is going to be good for everyone.、Mm. And、uh, yes, just one more question.、Uh, let's be more. Specific. You you all mentioned tourism, people to people exchanges, and when it comes to business sectors, are are there any other sectors? Do do you expect to see、um, economic activities or exchanges may experience a relatively fast increase、uh, as a result of the of this new visa policy? Well, I read from、uh, somewhere else that as the EU pushes ahead a. Cross-border energy、um, infrastructure projects to overhaul its forty-year-old、uh, electricity infrastructure to meet new renewable energy demands、um, because it blocks energy transition speeds up. Some people are seeing this sector to, you know, benefit from the new visa policy more because China has has been investing a lot in Europe's power sector and has the advantages when it comes to. Uh, infrastructure construction and ultra-high voltage power transmission technologies, and they would associate this new policy with、um, this development in in Europe.、Um, I mean, Dr. Chi, is it you know too much of a reading as well? Do you see such association between this new policy and、um, the opportunities, business opportunities in Europe and in China? Oh yes, we do see that.、Uh, for example, you ask why those five countries, and the, not only the five countries, you know, have good relations with China, but also they have solid cooperation programs with China as well. For example,、uh, in the past one or two months, you have already seen that China have so many exhibitions and uh, you know, uh, uh, like trade fairs, and many、uh, foreign countries, especially the delegations from Europe, has come to China in very large numbers. For、mm-hmm. example, France. Germany, you know,、uh, Spain as well. So I think this visa-free policies can actually facilitate their travel and their future travel to China. For example, for next year, the Airbus is going to deliver many of the、uh, project to China. So which means their business delegation,、uh, their engineers is going to come to China more frequently. 
as well as we're talking about the automobile vehicle cooperation is happening between China and Europe, as well as uh, we're seeing the you know green development infrastructures like solar panels and etc. So which means those uh, economic big countries in Europe, they have more of actual demand to send their people to China. So this policy can save them a lot of troubles and a cost. So this is happening based on the actual demand. So yes, answering your question, these policies actually been associated with a lot of things really happening. And we believe uh, in return, even though uh, those countries are not able to give Chinese tourists or business people, you know, a visa free, but I think they will give them, you know, much faster, you know, um, reply or uh, the uh, corresponding, you know, movement on their applying on the visa as well to make the whole job of the uh, visa application easier for the Chinese visitors. Mm. So that will be, you know, happening in the next year. Right. And Harvey, a few more comments from you. Okay. Well, I think in terms of business, this policy is only going to have a, a marginal effect in practice. But I think symbolically, it's hugely important because it sends a message not only to the these uh, first uh, leading uh, countries, the countries that are leading the way, uh, Malaysia and the five uh, European countries, um, but the, I think the message is very important. But for, 50, uh, for 15 days, this is not going to affect business or anything that much because business, to develop business or to continue it takes more time than that. But I think that it shows that China is open for business. It's welcoming of uh, business. It's welcoming of, of people. But I think the biggest effect is going to be on uh, enhancing the tourism sector and encouraging people-to-people -people connectivity, I, I, which I think is really critical, especially given everything that's been happening the last few years, and it's still happening today. Mm, indeed. Closer bond between the people is the key to enhancing state-to-state -state relations, as they say. Well, with that, we wrap up today's chat. Thanks to Dr. Li Pei Mei of the International Islamic University, Malaysia, Dr. Chu Chan of Beijing Foreign Studies University, and Senior Fellow Harvey Zodan from the Center for China and Globalization for sharing your experiences and insights. The show is available on all major podcast platforms. If you have anything to say about the topic or the show, please email radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyin. Thank you for being with us. We'll chat again next week. what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there.